Jehovah's Witnesses stand on street corners and knock on doors to recruit new members, but what they don't tell you about their leaders at the Watchtower organization is the decades-long effort to hide rampant sexual abuse within its ranks. Religious proceedings, cover-ups, and lies have all added insult to injury for thousands of survivors and their families. Will this group ever truly adopt the transparency and accountability it so publicly claims? This week's episode is Jehovah's Witnesses, Part 3. Up, bump in the night, your heart fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. Well, I have some bad news for anybody who has babies out there. They're enemies of God, and you should do something about them. They're assholes, is what I hear. <laughs> They're greedy. <laughs> We all think they're cute little bundles of joy with their cute little shrimp toes and their chubby little thighs and Mm -hmm. arm wrinkles. They are the embodiment of Satan. Yeah. If you think about it, we're born as enemies of God. That's what Stephen Lett says. There's a video. There's this footage where he says, you'll hear people look at a little baby and say, look at that little angel. But a more accurate thing would be to say, look at that little enemy of God. (laughs) God. (laughs) Mm, Straight face. You little enemy of God. Look how cute you are. He said, children are not born with a godly quality of love. In fact, because of imperfection, they're born the opposite. That's the total opposite of what happens, dipshit. He goes, they grab things. Mine, mine, mine. And then in a separate video, maybe years, months, I don't know, later, there's another video of him bashing kids. And he's like, babies are a manifestation of greed. They're always like, mine, mine, mine. And I just like have to imagine at some point, Stephen Lett was eating candy and a kid was like, mine. And the parents were like, can you just share some of your Werther's original with them? It's my kid. And he's like, these were my Werther's originals. And he's like, he had to have gotten slighted. It sounds personal. Oh, I'm sure that um, while all of these people are abusive and abuse, there's nothing to say that they weren't also victims of abuse when they were younger. I mean, abused people statistically are more likely to abuse than people that weren't. I have no... uh, Nothing to back that up except hurt people hurt people. But also some people are just fucking evil monsters and he is one of them. Yeah, he hates babies. It also, the logic, like with so many things in their religion, just make no sense to me because we were all babies. I mean, I guess by his logic, we're all born enemies and then you got to... It's like the opposite of innocent until proven guilty. You're born (laughs) guilty and then you have to prove yourself innocent when I would say that the most innocent things that have no capability of hating or anything sinister is a newborn child. They don't even know they're alive yet. They're just like, what is happening? I wasn't... 
a very nice, cozy spot. And now <laughs> I've got clothes on and a bunch of people in my face. I don't people know what's happening. Taping shit to my stomach. I'm having mm-hmm. to sit in my own shit when people aren't paying attention to me. This sucks. No, I agree. I don't. I didn't know that we were all born beefing with God. Turns out we are. I just thought everybody should know because Stephen let just – and next time you're on an airplane and you hear a baby crying, you know you're not crazy. That's an enemy of God. And <laughs> – Honestly, shouldn't be allowed to fly. That's right. No, it's like so silly. You're right. And this whole thing is just so ridiculous. And I didn't learn until I was reading that pretty much except former member Anthony Morris III, none of them, the governing body members have kids, apparently. So that could also. uh, Well, there you go. Uh, Why they don't give a shit. Yeah. And I think you also allow a lot of things to happen if you set your whole religion up with the idea of. Babies, kids, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. In fact, they're evil and we shouldn't listen to them. Well, as we'll see today, when that's the message that is handed down to you, the ripple effect is, uh, to to say damaging Mm -hmm. would be a gross understatement. Absolutely. They fostered quite an environment of man is right no matter what. And shut Mm -hmm. up, kid. What do you know? Mm -hmm. And woman and anyone who's not man. Yeah. It's a... Oh, I'm I'm so glad we did this series, but Lord Jehovah, we all need a break after this. This is over because um, it is so much for us to consume. That being said, think of the people that have been consuming this for 40 years, you know, born into it. They Mm -hmm. they're still in it. So like we said last time. It's a lot for us, but it's not about us. And we Mm -hmm. are happy to research all of this if it means that it can help others. And I know it has because I've seen all the emails. So thank you to everybody who's emailed Mm -hmm. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you to everybody on the XJW subreddit for your kind words. And also people are trying to make some connections on there. So if you've, if you've sent in a Freaky Friday or, or such, you might want to go check because mm-hmm. some people are trying to get connected with other XJWs that they want to, you know, talk. I mean, I'm, there's so much in the community, the XJW community, of why it's important, I think, to be a part of that if you're mm-hmm. really struggling. Because those are the people that know exactly what you went through. We can read about a bunch of stuff and be horrified. But until I think you're really entrenched in it, you really can't understand what that felt like. Oh, yeah. That recognition and that click where you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. you get it, get it on a visceral born in level. So, yeah, please definitely check out XJW. It's one of the best communities on the Internet and also will send you to other communities that are affinity groups. You know, if you were Mm -hmm. disfellowshipped or LGBTQ or whatever, there's uh, a place for everybody. And that's uh, like we said. Watchtower, horrible organization we're about to see for the next probably two hours you're about to hear. Uh, But the XJWs are some of the most lovely, heartfelt, Mm -hmm. kindest people. So thanks to all of them for making those offers to to folks who've written into us. Absolutely. Well, like all the other ones, this episode's a rough one and it pretty much only deals with child sexual abuse. So if that is something you wish not to listen to we totally get it and i would advise to skip this one well i'm christy i'm heather and let's get into it 
For all the harmful and abusive tactics, perhaps the most insidious is the Watchtower organization's long-standing repeated failure to address and combat child sexual abuse. Since at least 1950, the Watchtower has systematically recorded allegations of child sexual abuse made against its members, both by familial and unrelated perpetrators. The names of those accused were not provided to authorities. Instead, leadership would handle the accusations internally, sometimes with reproof, transfer of congregations, or rarely disfellowshipping. Most distressing, the names of known abusers was purposefully withheld from law enforcement and child protection authorities. Reports to outsiders would bring reproach on Jehovah's organization, so official policy was not to notify any authorities who may have been able to stop the abusers. Victims were encouraged not to seek outside professional help for the mental health toll that child sexual abuse causes. It was not until 1993 that elders were instructed by the governing body not to speak disparagingly about reporting abuse to authorities or seeking mental health care. And we can kind of see based on the last two episodes, they set up a pretty much standard protocol. Anybody that's not in the organization is the devil. They're controlled by the devil. They're the devil. So even if you go like you can tell the cops dot, dot, dot. It's like, well, aren't they controlled by the devil? Well, yes, certainly, but you can still tell them. And it's like a therapist. That's the devil. One of the interviews, I believe it was Dateline. He's interviewing a former elder that we will speak about that was a whistleblower and left the organization. But he said, so right now you're telling me you sitting here talking to me, you're, you're talking to, it's like talking to Satan. He's like, yeah, that's exactly what they think. Yeah, that like apostate, worldly, devil, whatever. So, of course, to say it's very lip service that they've always had. Mm -hmm. We've we've never outright prohibited reporting to authorities. Yes, certainly not. But you've also said talking to him is tantamount to talking to the devil. So no one's going to do that because they don't want to get cursed and die in Armageddon. It's almost like an abuser that tells the kid they're abusing, hey, if you tell anybody about this, I'm going to, you know, uh, I don't know, kill your family or do something you, really yeah. terrible. And you're like, I'm not saying you can't tell anybody, but if you do, I'm going to kill your family. Yeah. And say, and basically the, for Jehovah's Witness, the consequence was death because it was relational death with your whole family. If you're mm -hmm. an apostate outsider bringing reproach on Jehovah's name, that can get you disfellowshipped and lose your whole entire family, which is pretty much death. While Watchtower leadership was navigating its liabilities, children across the world were being severely, repeatedly sexually abused. The documentary The Witnesses details the abuse of multiple children by Ronald H. Lawrence in McAllister, Oklahoma. An elder in the church, Lawrence abused dozens of children over the course of several decades. He abused them at his home, in a pool, lake, in a basement, and in a janitor's closet at a bank where Lawrence worked at the time. He threatened the victims if they told anyone, he would kill them. And one of these victims in the witnesses details everything that happened. And just like we said, he took her to the beach and while in the ocean was like, I will throw you in the ocean where there are sharks. See this rock throws a rock off a cliff. You see it. That'll be you. That'll be your body. If you tell anybody. So of course you're seven, eight, nine, 10 up till 15. You're like, well, this person could kill me. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. One of the uh, victims who has been very vocal in speaking out, Romy echoes kind of those mm -hmm. same sentiments that her abuser, she said, 
and sh- they even go back to the beach where it happens. And she's kind of just looking out saying, I remember being here and he would just grab me and squeeze me and he would run and throw me into the ocean. And you're five years old. The ocean is scary enough. And then an adult is just tossing you in there telling you about sharks that are going to eat you or how powerful the ocean is. And even if you say nothing to that child, the, they, they get the message you're sending of, I could take you out at any time. Look how much bigger I am than you. I'm squeezing you. I'm going to throw you into something that you're fearful of. It's without, you could say nothing. And those actions alone are going Mm -hmm. to cause that child to not speak out and repress anything and retreat inside, which is what Romy did. And her story is heartbreaking. I mean, from the time she was four for nine, 10 years, she was abused by her parents' best friend. Yeah. That was a JW. And then she found out her cousin was too by the same man. And they went to talk to an elder and he called them liars, said never to speak ill of that man again. And that was just the first elder. And then you tell 20 elders over the course of decades in multiple kingdom halls in multiple states, and no one wants to listen to you. She said it was like just beating your head against a brick wall. Yeah, that's you're right. The the effect on a kid of seeing kind of the two plus two, the kid can put together it's four mm-hmm. when it's like, I have this power. And even when the abuser was a parent, Kimmy McDonald, uh, McDonald has been one of the uh, very outspoken whistleblowers. She was abused by her mother who would abuse animals and pets and sort of show it to the children like. I'm this powerful. This is what, and she was, she went and told elders and they said, go home and obey your mother. Mm -hmm. So it's just that same, just go, just shut up about it. Yeah. On July 1st, 1989, the Watchtower leadership sent a memo to elders outlining what to do with allegations of child sexual abuse by witnesses. Elders were instructed to contact the Watchtower legal department about the abuse instead of contacting the police. The letter stated, Do not make statements to secular authorities until you receive legal advice from the society. And there is a time to keep quiet. And then if that wasn't enough, they just explicitly say, improper use of the tongue by an elder can result in serious legal problems for the individual, the congregation, and even the society. It's flat out threats. I don't, it's, it's like you said, lip service. It's laughable that... In one, in the same paragraph, it can say, we absolutely support anyone going to the authorities. However, you know, if you do, there's, you're going to get in trouble. Right. And it's back then it was like, do not. And even in 2023, they're like, you may contact authorities. Like at no point does it say definitively, if a kid is being hurt, call it in full stop. It's just so many, so many, so many words to be like, listen, here's the deal. Kids get molested sometimes as long as we don't get sued what can we do about it really? Like you just, you just don't give a fuck about kids. You don't. No, I I mean, yeah, kids. And uh, I think that extends to women being abused by their partners as well. Definitely. And I would say when it comes to abuse, there is never a time to keep quiet. No, no. Due to the culture of secrecy within the organization, only elders and other men in higher levels of leadership were aware of the many, many serial abusers lurking within kingdom halls across the world. 
one exception was a loyal witness named Barbara Anderson. Recruited by a door-to-door pioneer when she was just 13 years old, Barbara was baptized as one of the JWs in 1954. She rose in the ranks alongside her husband, Joe, a plumber. The couple eventually moved to Bethel in 1982 to work as volunteers at headquarters. Barbara ended up as head researcher at the Watchtower Society. Her position involved helping write the Watchtower's publications, a role Barb called a very big privilege in an interview with A&E. Another writer for the newsletter, Harry Paleone, told Barb about his concerns over the Watchtower's lack of response to widespread child abuse. Harry had discovered documents that showed a pattern of secrecy around child abuse reports. Discouraged by the lack of action, Harry approved an article in the October 8, 1991 edition of Awake called Healing the Wounds of Child Abuse. After that article appeared, Barb said letters poured in by the thousands from JWs who had been victims of child abuse. She told A&E, As a researcher, I was in a position of trust. Her curiosity piqued by the letters, Barb went into the files kept at Bethel and learned something horrifying. The Watchtower had to secretly pay at least $12.5 million to settle sex abuse lawsuits without informing any members of the organization. And I think this betrayal for her was so significant because she essentially dedicates her entire adult life to this. They moved to the highest ranking position you can get at Bethel. It's like you Mecca get, for them. Yeah, you get invited. Not only that, she as a woman has now been invited into what is a... a illustrious role. Like she said, it's a privilege. She gets to help write and determine doctrine. And then you open the wrong file. You know, your buddy's like, I don't know, things are kind of weird around here. And you see, oh, not only are we just as bad as the Catholic Church, because in the late 1980s, the Catholic Church scandal was blowing up. And her whole deal was like, we wanted to say, you know, we don't do that here. And they thought her and Harry kind of were like, well, this letter will just show you know, and then meanwhile, you get a huge garbage, 50 garbage bag fulls of letters of people that are like, oh, it's worse. Yeah, it's uh, that's those are the witnesses that I my heart really goes out to the ones that really are there because like Barb says, like to be righteous and, and loving and caring and you've dedicated everything in your life to this. And then you find out you've been getting scammed the whole time. I mean, that's, you get one life and these children, their whole childhood was taken away from them. And now you have an adult like Barbara, who is like, well, my whole life, everything I've been like proselytizing and believing has been built on a foundation of abuse. Yeah, me, my husband, our now son is part of this. You know, he's now married part of it. You know, it becomes like entrenched in something that you thought was good. And she's like, as a mother, when I saw that, that they were prioritizing money and liability and protection over the safety in, of kids. She's like, you would have done the same thing. I'm like, yes, I would have. Oh, Thank for you. sure. I hope all of us would have. But she, since she's the only one, clearly not everybody would, you know? Yeah. And I mean, she makes a very good point that, million was paid. First of all, where'd that money come from? Them. Donations. Exactly. Yeah. So the JWs that are not even aware Mm -hmm. of these predators that are lurking within their kingdom halls, preying on their children, your donations are going to pay the lawsuits 
of the victims coming forward to report that abuse. And you have no idea that that's happening. And as a constituent, you're right. They're hiding it from the followers. And as a follower who is putting your money in the donation bucket, the fact that you were lied to that this is a use of church funds and it's a use of church funds, we will see the liability is incurred entirely because of Watchtower policy. So Mm -hmm. much is just Watchtower self-preservation dug in policy just fucking admit that you did it wrong just admit you did it wrong i mean they've set up a pretty good system to cover their own ass they have all these loopholes in place that mean they don't have to report the abuse and then at the same time they've scammed everyone into paying the lawsuits that cover up the abuse that they're not reporting so they're not even out any money Right, even though they're the ones that are incurring the liability, it doesn't who skin off of whose nose. I'm not really get mm-hmm. some more donations. And then and Barbara was especially offended as she had been at Bethel and she said, I'm watching, I'm hearing Doomsday in one ear, and then I'm watching them build these massive mm-hmm. complexes. Like they were trying to build this was before they moved upstate, it was back when they were in Brooklyn. They were trying to build this big long waterfront property that was gonna be and of course the city was fighting them, and she's like, I thought we were so righteous, and then high-ranking official in the Watchtower kind of was like, yeah, yeah, we'll throw some more money at it, da-da-da. And she's like, oh, I realize I my husband's a plumber. We're doing all this work for free. And to them, it's just like amassing an empire. It's just like free labor and our money is amassing giant places for them to live. Yeah, no, I mean, you're essentially, like with Scientology too, I mean, it's, it's essentially forced unpaid work mm-hmm. under the guise of, well, you're doing this for your own salvation and for everybody else's salvation. So how can you question anything when the the biggest uh, consequence, Armag- dying, a fiery death in Armageddon is like looming over you at all times? Right. Well, I mean, how do you question anything? Because that's the ultimate worry is like you're going to you're not you're not going to be saved. Right. The alternative is death and not living in paradise mm-hmm. with Jesus and everything, whatever. So you just go, okay. Or being shunned and losing contact True. with all your friends and family. True. So it takes someone that is willing to, I mean, Barbara is a hero to stand yeah. up and say something for all these people that otherwise it would have continued being swept under the rug. Yeah. She's a uh, courage of their convictions is an understatement. She's incredible. Mm hmm. Sinisterhood will be right back. Of the nearly 5,000 pages of documents and court records that Barb combed through, one thing was clear. The Watchtower and governing body were not responsive to complaints. One case struck Barbara as particularly cruel. A girl as young as four reporting abuse by her father to elders. Rather than help the child, the elders told both the girl and her father to keep quiet. A different elder in California was removed from five different congregations for molestation over a 30-year period. Each time, he was allowed back in a different kingdom hall. Barbara told A&E, This showed the deviousness of the Watchtower. They protect pedophiles. They've been settling lawsuits, and that's how they kept all this secret. This has been going on forever. And that's the other frustrating thing is it's not that they created all these policies because it would keep them from paying money. They were still constantly getting sued and constantly having to write checks, write checks, write checks. They would just settle it out of court every single time. So that's how none of us heard about it. We didn't really know it wasn't blowing up. 
But some plaintiff's attorney somewhere was taking their 30% of those contingency checks and the watchtower seemed to think that was fine. It was like this unlimited bucket of money they just keep writing checks out of because they didn't want to bring what they thought would be stink onto the organization by calling it in. But that's the only way you stop child molesters is to put them in jail. It's um, as if they had an Excel spreadsheet and whoever's their accountant was like, well, we need to account for all the possible expenses for this month. And one of those light items is child sexual abuse payouts, because that's how yeah. common it is yes. that, I mean, it, I, I, this is a good time to go to shepherd. What is oh, it? Shepherd what the flock. This? I have the, shepherd the flock version. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have been making my way through this. It is shepherd the flock of God. So it's 143 pages and essentially is what the elders use to kind of dictate everything. It's it's their guidebook. If anything happens, if any quote unquote sin is committed or legit abuse and crimes, they kind of just go to the book. It's like, well, what does the book say? And the book is unhinged. The yeah. I mean, when you have to, it's literally like, a 143-page document of, well, when they come and tell us that they've been sexually abused, here's what you do. And it could be one page that all it says is Call the report police. it to the police. Yeah. But instead, it's uh, it's just a bunch of bullshit. It's a lot of words to say we don't really care about kids. Just don't get us sued, please. The first part is... This publication is congregation property. A copy is issued to each appointed elder. If an elder is deleted for reasons other than moving to another congregation with a favorable recommendation, he should turn over this handbook to the congregation service committee. The secretary should keep the book in the congregation's file so that it may be returned to the brother if he is reappointed as an elder. No copies are to be made of any part of this publication. Neither is it to be converted into any electronic format. Uh, well, 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 <laughs> it seems like somebody doesn't want a paper trail or a digital trail. Yeah. And also, just because you get kicked out doesn't mean you're going to not get let back in. And in fact, nine out of ten times you're getting There's let back a, in. A big old long, uh, a big old long list of ways to get back in. I did notice the long chapter on child abuse, but I oh, wanted I'm to getting know, there. I'm scrolling. No, it's going to take me a second. I did want to just know when would they call the police? And it turns out if someone punches someone in the kingdom hall, then they say, you know, a brother may do what he can to stop the violence or if someone persists in disturbing a meeting, they will call the police and quote, <laughs> the police may also be informed that we are willing to file charges if it seems prudent and necessary under the circumstances. So you could rape dozens of kids. I'm not kidding. Dozens mm -hmm. of kids. They will call the police zero times. But if you won't turn off your TikTok during a kingdom hall meeting, they will call the police on you to make you leave. That's how little they give a shit about kids. It's just true. It's just true. I have the book. I have the book. <laughs> the priorities are so out of whack. I mean, it's okay. So this is page 132. I'll follow along. <laughs> uh, this is under the section documented or labeled child abuse. Mm -hmm. I'm going to skip to. Okay. Well, here's what's crazy is so underneath this, there's multiple sections. The first says 
you should immediately call the branch office for direction. If you learn of an accusation of child abuse, regardless of the age of the victim now or at the time of the alleged abuse, even if it occurred before the alleged perpetrator's baptism. So don't worry about the Yeah, no, 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 no. If it occurred, like, it's like, well, okay, but they weren't baptized yet, so it doesn't count. Now they're saved. The branch office will then give direction based on the circumstances involved in each situation. Number 19, child abuse is a crime. Never suggest to anyone that they should not report an allegation of child abuse to the police or other authorities. If you are asked, make it clear that whether to report the matter to the authorities or not is a personal decision for each individual to make, and that there are no congregation sanctions for either decision. Lies. Elders will not criticize anyone who reports such an allegation to the authorities. If the victim wishes to make a report, it is his or her absolute right to do so. Well, literally right under this at number 20. It then, without a without a pause, goes into right. when a known child molester moves to another congregation, the congregation service committee should send a letter of introduction with full and complete information about his background and current situation. Any letter from the branch office concerning the child molester should not be photocopied or sent to the new congregations. However, the new congregation should be clearly informed of any restrictions imposed by the branch office. A copy of the letter of introduction should be sent to the branch office. Writing stuff down. When a known child molester moves to another organization, not if. No, no, no. It's so understood that this is a problem that it's like, so when this happens, because it will, and it does all the time, here's what you do. That's what got me is that there is an extensive procedure for like, okay, here's the deal. We get it. Yes, they have abused a kid. How do we get him back in? There's a couple ways. Right. No, that's the focus. It's not like, how do we help the child? It's like, well, how do we cover this up? And also, how do we let the the man return to Kingdom Hall? Okay, well, he's just got to go to one county over. And like, we're going to tell the elders there, the high ranking officials, but like the congregation does not know. So now a known child abuser is at another congregation with just a whole new wide-eyed unknowing batch of victims a big crop that maybe a few elders received a letter that he was a child molester and those elders know that but will they go and say it doesn't say but it the numeric list on number 22 under the child abuse where it says if you've the service department will provide direction when, and then it gives four scenarios in which a child molester will be in your ranks. One, it's determined that a witness who is guilty of child abuse is repentant and will remain in the congregation. Two, someone's disfellowshipped for child sexual abuse and reinstated. Three, a witness denies an allegation but is convicted by the secular authorities or four, one is viewed as a child molester by the community, then gets baptized. So they just understand that they have open, widespread issues enough that they have to have it in the policy of like, listen, one of these is going to happen. Okay, there's going to be a child molester in your kingdom hall. Uh, More than one. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and... 143 pages of this document the majority of it is all like when shit goes wrong here's how you cover it up yes yeah it's it's i mean it's it's wild to me that they put this together oh yeah in writing 
in writing and and that so much detail and they give such specific examples of stuff that it seems like it's not just a coincidence it's like it's like well if um you know a brother goes to the bus stop at night and he realizes the bus isn't running anymore and then he goes back to his sister's house who is single and explains the situation. And then he has to sleep on the couch and she sleeps in her room and the door is shut and locked. Well, then that's okay. It's like, who'd this happen to? Right. Clearly somebody, this is way too specific. It's extremely specific. No, you're right. And uh, most of it, when it, when it comes to actions that the reasonable person would think would be appropriate when faced with a child who says that they've been harmed, telling someone, reporting to the authorities, supporting, giving supporting statements to help that child. That is the, the most that the watchtower will do will give the word may or should. It's like an elder may assist. An elder should help with this, but there's no consequences if they don't do it of like a child shouldn't be probed too much for details. Well, okay. But what if they are? There's, there's no, nothing well, to tell you not to do it. There's, they just shouldn't. And if they are, well, then they are. Then it is. And the pages when it says, now, child sexual abuse, we're not talking about everything. We're only referring to an adult guilty of sexually abusing a minor. This is a direct quote. Who is a young child or an adult guilty of sexual involvement with a minor who is approaching adulthood but was not a willing participant? We are not considering a situation in which a minor who is a willing participant and who is approaching adulthood is involved with sexual activity with an adult who is a few years older than the minor. So kid fucking explicitly fine as long as they're not like too young. Yeah, 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 yeah. Language of the book that was published in April of 2023 from this organization says. So what you're saying is they... Uh, without a, they unapologetically say statutory rape is fine. <laughs> Correct. I mean, that is, I bolded yeah. it because I was like, is that, am I reading? They also don't seem to be too uh, up in arms about child pornography. They say viewing child pornography is not considered to be child sexual abuse from a congregation standpoint. They do say it's a serious violation of Jehovah's standards. Oh, good. I'm glad Jehovah and the federal government are aligned. <laughs> A person involved in viewing child pornography, quote, should be strongly counseled. Depending on the frequency and the extent of his viewing, he could be subject to congregation judicial actions. He won't be necessary. You can watch a little bit of child pornography, but don't go overboard. Also, we don't think it's abusive as the Watchtower organization. It is. It's not called child pornography, by the way. It's child sexual abuse material because the kid can't consent in making it. So yes, by definition, viewing child sexual abuse material, you are an end participant in that child's abuse. So again, what we've written in April of our Lord of the year of our Beyonce 2023 is that that's fine. Yeah, and it's um I guess how how can they have all of this in writing and the police not intervene? Is it because it is a religion and therefore protected because they are uh newsflash, I don't know if everybody's aware, but it is illegal to harbor view make child sexual abuse material. So, and that's like what we all have to abide by and agree to people go to jail all the time for it so just because you are a jw doesn't mean you get to be absolved from like societal laws and rules right that's not how things work no i agree and that's a public policy question for a court to decide we have broad broad space to practice our religion but where it is 
harmful and a government has a compelling interest to protect people from this, uh, I think something should be something should be done about that. But uh, we're not seeing it just yet. But there are a lot of people out there still suing this organization, and hopefully they'll keep suing them until uh, more and more laws get changed. I have something, and so what do we think? I have a couple of ideas for government uh, officials, for government <laughs> actors, if they want some thoughts. Is this uh, how? Is this where you announce you're running for yeah, office? Absolutely. <laughs> I have to read this last one too Please. from Shepherd the Flock of God because it's, it's terrible. It, it's just uh, this is what happens when you have eight, nine out of touch old men that all want their voice to be heard and their voice is all stupid and everything that comes out of their mouth is bullshit. And it's like nobody could be like, you know what? Maybe we edit everything down and this could just be like a couple of bullet points. They're so like, no, 16 pages will be dedicated to this because we have to outline every little possible thing to get someone out of trouble, mm -hmm. such as in a case in which a brother denies an allegation of child abuse and he has been accused by only one witness. The following direction is given if he moves to another congregation. The elders should consult the branch office before sending any information regarding the accusation to the elders in the new congregation. It would be helpful if your letter to the branch office provided a detailed summary of the matter and explained the spiritual condition and personal circumstances of the accused and the accuser. With regard to the accused, the following questions should be answered. What is his interaction with children? Does he admit to any activity with the accuser that could have been misinterpreted by the accuser as sexual abuse? Or does he claim to have a poor memory of the accusation? What is his response to why the accuser has made the allegation? Has he had to be counseled for any other matters of a sexual nature, such as inappropriate conduct with adult sisters or pornography? What is the level of his spirituality? And do all the elders on the body believe that he can be trusted with children? So, um, none hand. of that should fucking matter. Just trying to hand the child molester a bunch of excuses. Yeah. Let me just ask you a couple questions. You can say yes to any of these, and I can include it in my letter, so you'll be allowed to stay. Don't worry about it. Let me help you out. What? What? As if his level of spirituality should have anything to do with... Mm -hmm what he his that he abused a child it's mm -hmm. not like well he was kind of lacking then so we're gonna grant him some grace and he, he just needs to pray more he was really having a hard time so we're gonna let this one slide and get what? him into some you know not even counseling we're just gonna give him a slap on the wrist and maybe move him to another kingdom hall but this is a time to keep quiet yeah, there's a time not to use your tongues to harm the Watchtower Society. No, it's terrible. Stuff like that's terrible. And when it straight up says, if the accuser has a lawyer, uh, do not give any information to them or verify anything. Just basically, here's a canned answer that says, like, the spiritual welfare of Jehovah's blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't say anything. It just says no. It's a very long, fluffy way to say no comment. And the official Watchtower policy is stonewall them. Don't help. Yeah. Don't help the kid that's been abused. Don't help them. Do not help the child that's been abused. The language you just read to me was, how can we help the child molester reintegrate better? Which I think priorities are wrong in that case. Yeah. I would shift my priorities the opposite. They also like to blame the parents of the victim quite a bit. The following question should be answered with regard to the accuser. 
what is the level of maturity of the child or youth? So that would go to like, well, are they four or are they 15? Because, you know, a 15 year old might like kind of want it. They might kind of consent to him. Or she's four. Maybe she was confused and misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. It's all possible ways they set the elders up in advance to discount the victim, question them, and figure out ways to lift up the abuser. And it's in baked into policy that is the current policy of the Watchtower, which is what you're reading from. I just have to repeat it to make sure I'm not been kicked in the head or <laughs> no. having a fever dream. Yeah. Is he or she describing conduct that one his age would not normally know about? Is the child or his parents known to be serious or mature? Is his memory consistent or is it intermittent or does it involve repressed memories? What is the reputation of the parents? Are they spiritually and emotionally mature? After carefully considering the matter, the branch office will then give you direction as to what information about the allegation should be shared, if any, with the elders of the new congregation. Of the new congregation, Mm -hmm. assuming you're going to be instated somewhere else. And what that would also tell you if you were a pedophile reading that would be, oh, I should pick on kids whose parents are shitty, who Mm -hmm. can't, that they don't come that often, or maybe only the kid comes. They kind of use this for childcare. The parents aren't really dedicated. I should pick an age where about they wouldn't be able to talk. I should be, I mean, your hand, it's a guidebook. It's a handbook for child molesters on the most likely victims that they're not going to get caught. And if they do get caught, what to do and say to get reinstated and switched to a new place. It, it's everything at, and any kind of criminal would want. Here's, I'm going to hand you a guidebook on exactly how to do this and not get caught. And in fact, you can keep doing it because we got we'll a bunch help. of rules in place that are just going to allow you to keep doing it. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a list of those rules of how we can help. How can yeah. we help you, pedophile? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's should be shocking. But given this organization's history, the fact that this is still going on in 2023, they are just unrepentant, dug in and don't mm-hmm. give a fuck. So oh, we, yeah. paused. we paused in 1992. And to see how little just spoiler alert, that's how little has come in tw- since. Oh, yeah. I mean, recently, one of the governing body was said, no, we have no plans on changing this, no, this opinion. Yeah. Like this is the, in, which leads into the, the two witness rule, which is how they get out of so many things. Well, that's what Anthony Morris said. We don't need lawyers in Armageddon. You need them now. I will yeah. say because a good third party lawyer would go, what the fuck have you written? What have you written? <laughs> Sinisterhood will be right back. It was not until March of 1992 that elders were finally instructed. Professional therapy should not be condemned as in the past, and seeking treatment from professional therapists is a personal decision, although one should use caution. This was a departure from a high-ranking Watchtower official, Ted Raz, who told his staff months earlier, Therapists are the devil's agent. Jaraz ran the service department, the department in charge of the day-to-day policies of the organization. And that was until a couple of years ago, the service department was who the elders always called when there was a complaint of sex abuse. It was always called the service department. The JW's New World Translation of Deuteronomy 1915 states that, No single witness should rise up against a man respecting any error or sin at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses, the matter should stand good. The organization uses this translation to support their two-witness rule. 
Under this rule, when a JW commits a crime such as child abuse, testimony from not only the victim, but also a third party who witnessed the abuse, is necessary for the committee to proceed with any consequential actions. Because most children are abused in secret, rarely is a witness present. This rule allows JWs to ignore the victim's claims, absolve themselves of reporting the abuse to legal authorities, and continue to allow child abusers to remain in the organization. And this is a built-in mechanism that lets child abusers off the hook easy breezy. Easy. I have to ask myself, why are they so okay with this? Why is it that they have set this up? Is it because they want their numbers boosted? And as we'll get into in a minute, a lot of that is done with prison ministry. Mm -hmm. Or you're going door to door and you don't know whose door you're knocking on for either side of that. I mean, it could be dangerous for the people going door to door too. Why are they so okay with keeping these people in? Is it just a numbers thing? That's a great question. I think that and also this idea of not bringing reproach on Jehovah's name that They've equated themselves, they being the governing body, have equated themselves with Jehovah. They have said, I serve him. I am his anointed embodiment on earth. I am, you know, here to praise his name. Anything that could make a witness look bad will make all of us look bad, you know, if we don't get to disfellowship them first. So I think the idea of this was we're going to keep from having infighting and personal jealousies, petty, this and that. And then if the fact that, yeah, maybe some molesters kind of stick around, hey, man, we've all had, you know, we all have trouble. I think it's a patriarchal society. This is a patriarchal organization where men protect the men are protecting the men, whether Mm -hmm. because of they see themselves in it. You know, you hear a lot of times like, you don't want to ruin his life. He's a good guy. That's some of the elders who have molested the kids. The kids are told, oh, don't talk that way about that man. He's a good man. He Mm -hmm. shows up for people. And the reality is they're just seeing themselves in it. So maybe that's Mm -hmm. what it is. It's like this patriarchal society that they've set up. But one of the elders that uh, a victim who got out and is now kind of like a blogger was in the Vice documentary and surreptitiously recorded himself talking with an elder about vloggers child abuse. He's like, you know, I was molested and this happened to me and I know that person's still in the congregation. And the elder goes, yeah, it happened to my son too. And the vlogger said, I'm sorry, what was that? Um, What do you do? You're telling me your kid was abused. And he says, well, you learn to live with it and put it behind you. Try not to bring it up. Try not to dwell on it. Okay. What? I mean, so that mindset of like, it's they're a cult and they're sucked in and it's like, well, what are, what are we going to do about it? Also easy for you to say, not easy. Yeah. It shouldn't be easy for you to say no, as the parent, you should be enraged and disgusted and go scorched earth if you learn something like that. But to just be like, well, you just got to accept it. And then what about your son? You're saying he yeah. also has to just accept that? Yeah. That's, that's not something that should be normalized. No, yeah. The the real brainwashing that has happened to a lot of these people, and one of the elders that was the uh, a whistleblower now had an inkling, if not outright knowledge, that a, a teenage member of the congregation was molesting his daughter and kind of looked the other way about three or four times before finally was like, oh, I should, I need to do something about this. But it's like, he talks about how He's like, I just kind of wrote it off and was like, oh, of course not. Like, surely that wouldn't be the case. And it's like until the kid is now crying out, and I'm sure that dad's never going to forgive himself. But 
you just, your whole, they wrap, they get you to wrap your whole life. You quit your job. This is your whole job, mm-hmm. your whole life. I mean, they got you, man. Barbara and Joe left Bethel in 1993 and returned to their home state of Tennessee. She continued her research and sent a package of information to each one of the governing body members in January of that year, detailing where she thought policy could be improved. As a result of her efforts, the governing body sent a letter to elders in which they were instructed not to speak disparagingly of reporting to authorities or seeking mental health care. Over the next few years, she wrote more letters to leadership, but no policy changed. And in fact, nothing here changed either. They just were like, well, we'll put some stuff in writing to make everybody feel a little bit better. But that's all it is. It's, yeah, it's just always lip service. And you feel bad for her because she's, you know, trying to continue the fight and said she started co- going to community college. She started to research other religions and how other religions approached it. And she's like, once I start looking into the Catholicism scandal and it was handled completely differently, like with cooperation. And like she was just like it was weird to watch. Now there was cover up on the front end, but it wasn't this like lie to everybody that's ongoing lie where it's like i can look at the news and see this is happening in the news i can read this letter in my hand and you're like no 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 that's not happening it's almost as if they it's morphed into a organization that is designed to allow child abuse to run rampant with no repercussions that's the exactly. And that's what I don't get about people that join it not for that purpose. Why you would not want to everybody in the JWs who isn't molesting a kid should be a Barbara Anderson. Like, mm-hmm. why are you not storming the kingdom hall, go in the office, open the desk drawer and say, we're not going to stand for this. But it is just that widespread. They keep you docile. They keep Romy and A&E's was like that my entire waking life. I had no free time. I can't do anything. So you don't even have time to learn that this is happening to know that you can go and dig in the files. Mm -hmm. So anybody that's PMO that's physically in and mentally out, who's leaking these documents, you're doing the good work. You're a Barbara Anderson in training and thank Mm -hmm. you. Cause that's the only way shit like this ever gets, uh, ever gets ended stopped is somebody from the inside. Despite high rates of recidivism among child sexual predators, internal Watchtower documents indicated that where a child molester claims repentance and puts forth godly works, he can be viewed as a former molester. A January 1st, 1997 copy of Watchtower magazine reads, But nowhere does the Bible say that an adult Christian who sexually abuses a child, whether incestuously or otherwise, cannot be forgiven. That same article stated, If he, the molester, seems to be repentant, he will be encouraged to make spiritual progress and share in the field service. The field service where you're left alone with a child for hours on end and no one is watching you. I will say the high recidivism rates amongst child predators is an understatement the Department of Justice tried to do. I mean, it's hard to do a a study given the lack of reporting that happens in cases like these, but on the minuscule amount that is reported, it's like 50%. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. the likelihood of a repeat. It's absent massive intervention. They're going to do it again. And in the cases of Jehovah's witness child molesters, there's zero intervention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say, I don't even know about intervention. Incarceration may stop them because they can't, they can't have access to victims, but it's, um, and again, you know, if you are a child predator and you're like, well, oh, huh. 
So they say the Bible, any adult Christian who sexually abuses a child, I mean, you can be forgiven. Okay. Well, then I guess I'm going to go in there and claim forgiveness and get baptized. And then, ooh, I got my pickings here. How quickly can I get uh, alone with a child? Mm -hmm. And they're like, how badly do you feel about the other child? You've molested. Mm-hmm. I feel very bad. They're like, okay, next Tuesday we'll let you go out there. Like it's the the bar is so low. Yeah. In March of 1997, Watchtower policy changed again. In a letter to the elders in all congregations worldwide, the governing body stated, "No known molester can hold a position of authority in the organization." Further, it clarified, "Others may have been guilty of child molestation before they were baptized." The bodies of elders should not query these individuals. Because it doesn't count. They, If, if you did business. something bad before you were baptized, then you get off scot-free. I guess And so. also after you're baptized. So let's not kid yeah. anybody. doesn't matter. <laughs> Either so way, like, you're going to be protected. Yeah, don't worry about it. And that's what Barbara Anderson goes. Of the 1997 change, oh, good. Now they're not going to be in charge. You're still letting them do things like go pioneering alone with a kid. Like, it doesn't matter. If they're wrapping up the cords at the end of a service and a kid's in there with them, you know, Mm -hmm. you're still leaving them alone with a kid. And Ronnie Lawrence is one of those that got switched and switched and switched to where a reporter at his current congregation, where at least in 2019, A reporter asked one of the elders, you know, Ronnie Lawrence is here in Oklahoma and he molested tons and tons of kids. Yes. And finally he goes, would you leave him alone with your kid? And the guy goes, no. Well, then he shouldn't be left alone with any kid and he shouldn't have access to any kids, at least under your watch. I mean, what he does outside, you can't claim that. But like you should not knowingly allow this person to be around children Mm -hmm. and in fact, give them many opportunities and welcome them with open arms. That's not something that should happen. No, they're switching them around. They're just transferred. These others who had been guilty of molestation before joining were recruits from the Watchtower's prison ministry program. When witnesses preached in prisons, Barb claimed a large majority of those who studied with them were child molesters. During one particular prison ministry, Barb told A&E that the only inmates that studied with the JWs were those that had been incarcerated for child abuse and molestation. When they came out of prison, they would go to the congregation, be baptized, and free from sin to join the flock. In many cases, convicted child molesters would join a congregation and marry single mothers within the congregation, either divorcees or widows giving them immediate access to children. And if you are uh, an incarcerated individual who's uh, not only incarcerated, but a child sex predator, you got a lot of stigma and you're told like, hey, when you get out, you will have a wife, you will have room and board because you're going to work a job. We'll teach you a trade. You can apprentice under, maybe you'll become an electrician, a plumber, a construction, you know, you might be a contractor. And also, we think that you're a former molester and everything's forgiven. By the way, Angie is single and has three kids mm-hmm. and has been looking for somebody. So we could set the two of you up. You don't think that they're licking their lips like a fucking dog with a mm-hmm. pork chop in front of them? You have been, you've set up a pipeline. Mm-hmm. It's a pipeline. No, it it truly is. Um, it's, it's almost as if they go out of their way to recruit child molesters. That's what it's like. Does nobody else want to join? And it's like, well, nobody else wants to come to our meeting. Only the chomos do. So let them come. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
it's one thing to minister to people, but it's quite another to be like, and come on down to the cookout where we got the kids over there playing Parcheesi. Like, just maybe don't invite them over. Yeah. The March 1997 letter also sought information on men who then served or had previously served in any appointed position as an elder, ministerial servant, regular pioneer, etc., and were also known to have engaged in child molestation. The Watchtower required each congregation to prepare reports detailing instances of child molestation and to return the reports to the service department in Bethel. The instructions did not say to contact the police or child abuse authorities. So what they've inadvertently doing, done by not having a lawyer is just asked all of their congregations everywhere to be like, could you create just a massive database of liability where we knew or should have known not to put these people in instances of uh, being alone with a kid and where we might have or did or ignored things or moved them to new congregations. Can you send us all that so we know just how much deep shit we're in? And then the problem though now is that you've now created a very incriminating package. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, good for, good for some. It's again, I think, um, they're in there, shepherd the flock of God, like, don't print anything, don't send right. anything, don't make any photocopies, yet compile a list of all of the child abusers in your kingdom hall and then keep record of that. But don't tell anybody in that kingdom hall. Don't release their names. No, they're sealed the envelope shut and mail it to Bethel and don't keep any copies of anything. In July of 1998, Watchtower sent a follow-up letter to each congregation in the U.S., reminding elders to send the reports and warning of possible legal consequences of appointing a known child molester to a position of trust. Despite receiving written reports of molestation, leadership left its policy intact, requiring elders to contact the Home Office Legal Department rather than the police. Rather than contact the secular authorities, elders were to form a judicial committee comprised of three elders and convene a con and convene a judicial hearing. When justifying why elders should not involve the secular authorities, the governing body relies on a line from Leviticus. Barbara Anderson takes issue with this, telling A&E. The Watchtower has to stop using a 3,000-year-old text to make people bypass the authorities. Nevertheless, these committees would haul the accuser into a hearing to face off with their abuser. This meant that small children were oftentimes made to face older men who had sexually abused them, sometimes over the course of many years. In some instances, the children were not allowed to have any support in the room with them. The committee would subject the children to probing invasive questions. If the child was alone with their abuser at the time of the abuse, as is so often the case, they were dismissed for failing to provide a second witness. And the many, many, many victims who had to endure this in the 80s and 90s and 2000s and on up until only very recently has now the 2023 version of Shepherd the Flock says a victim of child sexual abuse is never required to make her allegation in the presence of the abuser. That's like the one thing that they've actually somewhat improved, but it says it's never required. So that's again, my, the language of this mm -hmm. shepherd, the flock is always like, but maybe it would help if you just it's said encouraged. it. Encouraged. Right. And so it's like, you use this like language. There's just not, um, it's just not sufficient. And the people who had to endure this and talk about the graphic questions that they were asking, it's, mm. they were, each of the children who went through this were abused twice. Yeah. Um, 
to think of an adult having to face their abuser in a court of law is hard enough, but a child who you know that everyone there is against you and calling you a liar. And also you've been told that you're a Satan because you're a baby and you're still probably trying to overcome that. Well, it's your fault. You know, you're only four. It wasn't that long ago. You were an enemy of God because you were a newborn and you probably should just pray more. And I mean, are you sure that that's what he was doing when he had you sit on his lap? Are you sure that you're not just confused. Yeah. Aren't you just kind of making something up? No, it's, you're right though. It's like that young and having that, like if there is a pecking order, which there is, and man is at the top and child is at the very, very bottom, having them face off is just absolutely unfair. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no way. It's a lose, lose situation for the victim. And every time. Sinisterhood will be right back. Eventually, in 1998, Barb and her husband left the group. She told A&E, They can believe anything they want to, but when they have beliefs that harm others, that's when all people who love truth and righteousness, that's when they should speak up. She went public with her story in 2002 on NBC's Dateline. One week before the episode aired, Barbara was formally disfellowshipped. As a result, she and her husband lost contact with their son, daughter-in-law, and two grandchildren due to mandatory shunning. The timing was a calculated move by the governing body. With Barbara declared an official apostate, anything she said on Dateline was to be disregarded by all witnesses. And that's, she talks about it in her book, kind of this kangaroo court where they came up with different ways. They're like, oh, she's, she's stoking division. And she would show up because she actually cared about this organization. And I think up until this point thought, okay, I'm going on Dateline. I've spoken out there. Maybe they can figure out a way to reform the policy and I can stay. And she said she realized she's called in and they accused her of one thing and she proved it wasn't true. So then they just convened another committee and Mm -hmm. they accused her of another thing. And she said that one... I just didn't even go to because I was like, at that point, they're just, they just want me out. I can appeal it. Who am I going to appeal it to? The governing body knows I'm going on Dateline and they hate me. And they did that. So then people that were in the organization when this came out said, oh, I heard a little bit of something at the time, but I was told she was like disgruntled. She was an apostate. Her kid doesn't even talk to her anymore. Kind of a thing. Well, by force. Right. And it's, it's just so silly that Because she was, if she had not been declared an apostate, which is just a word, it's a made up thing that they made up. Now she can't be listened to. It's like Mm kind of telling somebody to strike that from the record in a court of law. Well, nobody can unring that bell. I mean, you know, we've all heard it. it. So just putting like a name to it. Well, okay. Apostate means we can't pay attention to it. All it is, is just a word to, again, get them out of a... A situation like this. Right. And you're like, it, and that's, it's hard when you're not, when, cause we're not indoctrinated in it. And so much of this, I'm like, says who? Cause I am a loudmouth authority questioner and I was not raised to be told, shut up, stop asking questions. Don't worry about it because we told you so. And that's why. And so it's like, yeah, but I love Barbara. She was great. I loved her articles. I wrote her a letter. She wrote me back. She was wondering, oh, she's an apostate. Are you sure? Yes. And do you want to argue? And it's like, well, no, because I'll get kicked out. So mm-hmm. I guess not. Yeah. Yeah. With increased scrutiny after the Dateline episode, the Watchtower issued a press release stating in part, 
In addition to making a report to the branch office, the elders may be required by law to report even uncorroborated or unsubstantiated allegations to the authorities. If so, the elders receive proper legal direction to ensure that they comply with the law. So basically, we will only do the very bare minimum. If it's illegal not to. Otherwise, we will not. No, it's again, all lip service. Even with this directive, elders across the world have worked against victims seeking justice. Because cooperating with police can bring reproach on Jehovah's name, elders sometimes refuse to comply with law enforcement or outright destroy documents. One case in Philadelphia in 2014 involved a 15-year-old girl who was being abused by two adults in the congregation. She and her parents told the elders. Elders made notes about the assaults in meetings, but the girl's family was discouraged from reporting to authorities. They reported it anyway. According to one elder, when those at the Kingdom Hall heard that law enforcement would be serving a warrant for records relating to the abuse. We bought a shredder and uh, headquarters has told us to shred. So then now we're at this point of it. You are now not just not complying with authorities. You are being told to destroy evidence. This is like Watergate. I mean, I honestly, I don't understand how just because, and I guess this is with any cult, like Scientology too, like you're on record as you're a religion. So therefore the government can't intervene. But at some point that's just like. You're just saying that to get away with shit. You know what right. I mean? It's just like, well, you, anybody, you, you, it should not be, it should not be legal for anybody to just call themselves a religion in order to essentially have their own governing rules and not have to abide by societal laws. No, I agree with that because you're right. You're now setting up just kind of this sham to perpetuate, you know, whatever you want to perpetuate. And I think that's why. The again, oh, an elder it was the whistleblower of this, and it's he is, I believe, if I'm not speaking out of turn, the same person who his daughter was abused by that teenager and kind of thought, well, maybe not. It's some of the saddest. It's in the uh, show notes, and it's the Philadelphia Inquirer and the all the Philadelphia coverage. What's going on in Philadelphia is very, very upsetting, including this. And he said, like at that moment, he kind of had this wake up of like, I'm being told to shred stuff. This feels like lying. Like at some point, you have this this semblance of a religion, like you said, they said, oh, we're here for God. We're here to serve God. We don't steal. We don't lie. We don't, except for the government, you know, lie to the police sometimes. You might have to lie and say we don't have those records. Like essentially shredding documents is lying to the cops. Like they existed. It's illegal to not report this abuse too. Yes. Well, yeah. And it depends on what state they're in. Yeah. Depending. And that was a hard thing to stomach too with all these documentaries is there are way more states that do not require somebody to report abuse and there are that do truly and that's what texas is everybody that is upright and has the ability to use a phone has a duty if you think a kid is in danger it is a misdemeanor not to report it. it's a crime not to you don't have to be a teacher a doctor a clergy whatever you're just walking down the street you're supposed to i think every state should have that i don't oh, think yeah. it should be like well if maybe you don't have access to- no if any of us it's all in all of us it takes a village it takes a world if you know a kid's being hurt you gotta say something about it you just do and everybody this guy who finally came clean about the shredder thank god he finally said something but think about all the shredders we don't know about oh yeah The watchtowers settled most cases, but in 2012, a lawsuit filed by a former witness named Candace Conti went to trial. Candace had been abused by a fellow witness who did not hold a position of authority. 
Because of this, the Watchtower argued it had no duty to protect Candace from the man. However, the elders of her congregation admitted in depositions that they knew that her abuser was a child molester when they allowed him to preach alone with nine-year-old Candace. After a trial that exposed many of the Watchtower's heinous practices, Candace was awarded $28 million, which was reduced to around $3 million on appeal. It, you have to do hard things. And she said, I will not settle. I won't settle. And the amount of, like, you get torn apart, right? And as coming forward with being molested is hard enough. But then to have to, like, go through an entire trial and be on the news and everything like that, and you're going against, like, a billion-dollar corporation. I'm said it. It's a corporation that also kind of has a religion, but it's a printing corporation. And to, that she, she said, I won't settle. Like, she did so much for the movement. So many very devout witnesses were like, as soon as I was, like, seeing it, I'm like, Court, like I know the court is the devil, certainly, but you still have this like semblance of like rationality where you're like, they're not all just like, oh wait, that's elders that are on the stand. Okay, nope. Now I know for sure they're not lying because they just swore on a Bible, and then the elders just said, absolutely, we knew it was a molester. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and we let him have free access to her. What? And it's the depositions of these elders. Some of them are so entrenched that I'm almost like, are you stupid? And maybe they are. Maybe they're just that brainwashed. But it's like they don't know how to lie. So then when so her being brave did so much. It did so much. Oh yeah, and I think. Maybe it's that they don't know how to lie, or maybe it's that they um, they don't think that what is happening necessarily warrants lying because they don't think it's that big of a deal. Right. And some of them just answer just, da -da 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 -da. like, that's the policy. What? I don't think it's wrong. But other ones you can see that are like, uh, they're not that dumb because they're like trying to rub two brain cells together and be like, oh, I'm supposed to say no. But saying no is a lie. Saying yes is bringing, is a bring reproach on Jehovah. It's like they start doing math in their but head. Lying like, is a sin. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, and that's why I think a lot of them too are so forthcoming is it's like, well, this is what I've always been told is right. And it's everything is under Jehovah. So it's like almost challenging to police or any kind of legal mm -hmm. authority. Like you're not above Jehovah. So yeah. I don't really care what you say because in the end I'm answering to Jehovah. Yeah, I'm not trying to die in Armageddon. Mm -hmm. Another lawsuit in 2012 provided greater insight into the Watchtower's record keeping. Plaintiff's attorney Erwin Zalkin demanded Watchtower turn over all documents related to the perpetrator as well as other known molesters. The Watchtower refused, arguing that it did not have sufficient resources to locate and produce all the documents. This was proven to be a lie when one high-ranking official testified that all the information gathered by the group over the preceding four decades had actually been scanned and stored in an easily accessible Microsoft SharePoint database. The parties in that case settled for an undisclosed sum, but the case confirmed the Watchtower kept a database chronicling all known abusers who had been allowed access to children since 1969. In a 2016 lawsuit filed by a different victim against that same abuser, the governing body again refused to release information from the database. The judge fined the Watchtower $4,000 per day for not turning over the information. Watchtower incurred over $2 million in fines before again settling the case for an undisclosed sum. The database has still not been released to the public. 
And this was this first bombshell moment where you're just an attorney being like, I wish they probably have to dig through a bunch of files somewhere. And someone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's in a Dropbox. Let's get you the link. And you're like, um, what now? And that's another thing. They lied. The Watchtower fucking lied. They go, mm-hmm. it would take weeks to get all that information. Weeks. Meanwhile, you have this official and then an expert once they figured out Microsoft SharePoint. Zalkin got an expert to go, yeah, at maximum it would take two days to get to respond to this. Also, inquiry. if it would take weeks, then you've got too many child molesters in your fucking circle. Because, yeah. I mean... If someone asked me, can you round up the the known child molesters you know? I'd be like, um, well, I I can't I the none zero but, yeah. yeah I mean but like if you if it's like well there's so many it's gonna take months for us to yeah. get you this information full stop there okay then why are we even continuing this discussion let's go back to like <laughs> why are you allowing so many of these into your like you said a corporation. It's a corporation. Yeah, you're like, uh, you guys, uh, your house is on fire. Did you notice that? Because it's uh, it's full of molesters. Like, you have much worse problems. You should just settle all these lawsuits and get the child molesters out of your organization. I don't know why that's never been the solution for the Watchtower. It's always just been like, yeah, hey, write them a check and send a new letter out saying that we've changed things. I think, like you said, it's men protecting men under mm-hmm. this headship doctrine of mm-hmm. men are everything, children are nothing. And also, they want the numbers. I really yeah. think that a lot, I mean, you know, they they are trying to, Jehovah's Army, like, create this whole, they want, they just want the numbers. Like any cult, yeah. you want a bunch of numbers because then you've got a bunch of people doing the stuff you want done. And it doesn't really matter to them where those people come from. And yeah, you're right. And to reiterate, they need free labor and mm-hmm. what better way to get people desperate for work than people who would otherwise have to maybe mandatory report or yeah, that's it's, it's heinous when you think about it of like it's greed at the end of the day. I was just going to say that to as with reporting this database, this database still has not been released to the public. But if you go to jail and then you're released and you were in there for uh, sexual abuse charges, child molestation, child sexual abuse. I, as just a person in my neighborhood, can look up, like, who around here has, you know, is a convicted sex offender, a registered sex offender. But people within this organization are not given that luxury. And not even a luxury. It should be just... The right. That's your right to know that. Absolutely. Right. You would think as a parent, you know, somebody knocks on your door, a coworker, somebody invites you to go to church with them and you go to church and it's not just any rando up the street, whatever. You're like, oh, it's the Watchtower. It's like they have a website. There are billboards and there's people on like it looks printed and legitimate. You'd be like, surely there's some sort of background check. No, it's actually the opposite. They check and see if you're a molester and then find ways to help you is what the document that we were reading earlier tells me. American congregations are not the only ones with sex abuse problems. In summer 2015, Australia convened a royal commission to investigate the Watchtower's failure to protect so many children from abuse. In October of 2016, the commission released its final report. We do not consider the Jehovah's Witness organization to be an organization which responds adequately to child sex abuse. We do not believe that children are adequately protected from the risk of sexual abuse. 
Investigations have also been conducted in the United Kingdom and Netherlands. And the real fun story about the Australian Commission is, again, they were lying. They lied to the Australian Royal Commission. The governing body said they were subpoenaed. The commission said, okay, you guys are in charge of this organization. There's uh, you know, 68,000 practicing JWs in Australia. Come and answer for your organization. Come from the United States and answer. And the governing body said, oh, well, we're actually just advisory and we play no role in creating policy. That is, based on all of our research, a fucking lie. It's just a full stop lie. Mm-hmm. The governing body said, oh, well, we, you know, sorry, we, you know, we're just advisors. We can't come out. Well, a person we're about to learn, a whistleblower uh, named Mark O'Donnell was watching and had collecting, collected a bunch of, he was a lifelong JW and he collected a bunch of materials and was kind of watching these hearings and hearing these things. And he emailed one of the people that was running, one of the prosecutors, you know, the in, inquir- inquirers that was running the hearing and goes, yeah, that's a lie. Here's a bunch of documentation on why that's a lie. Let me know if you need anything else. So then the commission was able to go, hey, actually, Watchtower, that was a lie. Here's how we know you've now been subpoenaed. And then subpoenaed a governing body member to come and answer, Angus Stewart. He was a the lead litigator in the proceedings that received this message and was like, oh, thank you so much for this organization manual. I would love to use it to nail these people. But they're fucking, they're still lying. They're lying to the government of Australia. They do think they're above everyone. Right? To just say, oh, well, we can't get caught when all it takes, again, one brave person, one whistleblower sent an email to Mm -hmm. that lawyer and was like, you got him. Many ex-JWs who endured horrific abuse were previously prevented from seeking justice by statutes of limitation. However, in 17 states, the statute of limitation on filing a civil action for sexual abuse has been eliminated in recent years. In 2019, the New York State Legislature passed a law that extended the criminal statute of limitations to begin running when a child turns 23 years of age. For the filing of a civil action, the statute does not begin running until a victim turns 55 years old, if they were a minor at the time of the abuse. Laws like this one exist in 26 states and pave the way for victims to obtain civil relief once they are ready to report abuse. And this is kind of known as the law that opened the floodgates to sue the Watchtower because they are a New York organization and they're the kind of big pockets, big money organization. Instead of having to sue maybe a local Watchtower, they tried to bifurcate liability in all different ways. But laws like this one, they should be, if they're not in every state, they should be in every state because there should not be a cap on when someone molested a child for them to seek healing and find justice. Absolutely. No. If, if, Something happened to you when you were five and you're not ready to report it or talk about it until you're 40. That shouldn't mean that it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. No, and it shouldn't be like, well, I mean, certain people, let's all forget about it. No, it doesn't. You don't forget about it. It lives with you forever and and you deserve whatever closure you want. And it's sad in cases where the windows get closed just because laws are on the books and someone just kind of gut level went ah, seven years or mm-hmm. 20 years or whatever. Facing an onslaught of lawsuits, the Watchtower organization has attempted to shield its assets in massive billion-dollar real estate portfolio. Over the past 20 years, the governing body has created new entities, shifted assets, and resigned from corporate positions that could have opened them up to personal liability. The group is dependent on donations and free labor to continue running. In the face of dwindling numbers, it has begun consolidating congregations and selling off kingdom halls. 
there's a whole Facebook group where people delight in seeing Kingdom Halls up for sale um, and being like, or seeing where they've consolidated, you know, three congregations into one Kingdom Hall because the numbers are shrinking so much. One of them in Oklahoma has been turned into a dispensary and I would like to go very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like it's for some people, it's like a way for them to find healing to kind of rejoice and seeing mm-hmm. these buildings being repurposed for something else. A 2019 article in The Atlantic shed further light on the organization's handling of abuse. It detailed the work of a 51-year-old XJW in Baltimore, Maryland, named Mark O'Donnell, who somewhat inadvertently became an online activist working against the Watchtower. And he's the that Atlantic article we have linked in our show notes, and he's Mark is the crux of he's kind of the center point of the Crusaders documentary and how much he has done oh, for people. Oh, man. And he is beloved on the XJW subreddit. He's Certainly. active in there, and people are always thanking him for the hard and difficult work he's doing. But it takes people like that. And I imagine it's just you feel like you're drowning because yeah. you're one person trying to fight this huge corporation, billion-dollar real estate portfolio. Hmm. Well, if the world's going to end any day now, why would you need that? Yeah, why do you need these big fancy places to live? And uh, yeah, the rest of us are all eschewing. And Mark and his wife talk about that in the Atlantic article that they so believed in this Armageddon is coming. And they were early enough adopters that they 1975 was like the date they thought it would happen. And then it kind of comes and goes. And then you all kind of have to get told a different date. And he said Mark was just so into collecting documents and reading things and going back and knit and knit kind of like James Zimmerman, where you have these personalities that are truth seekers. They're rooting Barbara Anderson. They're natural rooters out of the truth. And the Watchtower can only try to hold their thumb on them for mm-hmm. long enough before Mark was like, listen, your shit doesn't check out. Like I see it here, here and here. You're telling me these things and they're not checking out and having to come to his wife and be like, I don't believe this anymore. And I'm getting out. And luckily, they are both activists now. And his wife also rescues a bunch of cats, which is beautiful. And I love. That's great. And But to go to his wife and say that is mm-hmm. also a risk because you risk them saying, well, I'm going to tell the elders about this. And you're going to get disfellowshipped and shunned. And I'm leaving you. And mm-hmm. you've lost all connection with everyone you knew. Right. It was like a secret identity. He had to do all of his online stuff kind of secretly and not tell. And then... Her, she said even that he was stopped going to meetings and she's like, oh, my friends are saying you've got to dump him. You've got to get a divorce. Mm-hmm. But she's like, it's my husband. I don't want to get a divorce. Yeah. And they got to take in all these walks together. They said they got to where they would walk up to eight or 10 miles a day together and just talking and get to know each other and sharing information. And through that, it's like you the truth is the truth, regardless of how long you think you can publish manuals and letters and trick people. Those who want to find it will find it and move accordingly. Yeah. And I think that it's an innate human quality to know when something feels wrong and Mm -hmm. off. And even if you're told so many times that this is Jehovah's will and, you know, I mean, at some point, a lot of people start to question it. And I think a lot of those people aren't open about it because they fear shunning. Right. Or even as a kid, I mean, Romy in in the A&E documentary said, you know, I was five years old, so I didn't understand what was happening, but I knew that it wasn't right. You know, I mean, in that, that's your, your gut telling you Mm -hmm. like, 
this shouldn't be happening. This isn't, this feels wrong. It's, it's, even if I can't, like, I don't have the language yet or the words to describe why this is wrong or what's going on. Like, you know, inside that this doesn't feel right. And I think a lot of people that are involved with this still or have been, they know that, but the repercussions for speaking out are so great that they live in silence. And it takes people like Mark and Barbara and all of the victims that have come forward and sued their abusers or the organization. It's going to take like so many more of those to really make a huge impact. Not that they haven't made an impact, but I'm talking like shut it shut down it. type of impact, you know? No, I agree. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, the more people that wake up, so to speak, the mm -hmm. better off the the kids will be when they get out of there. In 2023, the Pennsylvania Attorney General announced what it called the most extensive investigation into the Watchtower organization's sex abuse scandals yet. About 7% of all witnesses in the U.S. are living in Pennsylvania. The investigation has resulted in nine criminal charges and one guilty plea so far. When asked in July of 2023 if her office was only investigating individuals or the entire Watchtower organization, Attorney General Michelle Henry said, This is an ongoing investigation. I hope that that means that everybody's getting investigated. Throw the books at them. Mm -hmm. Every copy of every 42 million copies of Watchtower, throw it at them. <laughs> Sinisterhood will be right back. The 2015 Australian Royal Commission found that 1.5% of the 68,000 JWs were child sexual abusers. Comparing that to the 1.2 million witnesses in the U.S., experts estimate that at least 18,000 children have been abused within the organization. However, according to one former elder, as of 2002, over 20 years ago, there were 23,720 pedophiles listed in the database. 23,000, and that was 20 years ago. And That's, they've still been... I mean, jaw-dropping. I mean, it's so... That's so. That's such a big number. Yeah. I mean, to think about that, that that's sitting there listed, and they know actively those people are the ones going door-to-door -door with kids somewhere that are working in, you know, we're just going to have a fa little family barbecue. We'll all get to, no matter what it is that you all get together for, the people in charge know there are pedophiles lurking with them. Not just, we all know as a society, probably there are pedophiles lurking around us. They have a SharePoint database to confirm. Mm -hmm. They have so many, in fact, 23,720, and that was 20 years ago, that they have to have a database to keep it all organized. Yeah, that's, it's sick. The think tank Child USA fights for the rights of children by reforming and eliminating statutes of limitation for cases of child sex abuse. These laws are vital as over half of survivors of childhood sexual abuse first disclose at age 50 or older. More survivors first disclosed their abuse between age 50 and 70 compared to any other age group. To learn more and join their fight, visit childusa.org. If you were a victim of child sexual abuse as a Jehovah's Witness, help is available. The National Sexual Assault Hotline is free 
confidential, and available 24-7. Whether you're looking for support, information, advice, or a referral, their trained support specialists are ready to help. Call 1-800-656-HOPE or 1-800-656-4673. You can also head to hotline.rain.org for more information. If you or anyone you know are experiencing suicidal thoughts, please know help is available. Text 988 to receive support during a mental health crisis. The 988 Lifeline provides 24-7 free and confidential support for people in distress, prevention and crisis resources for you or your loved ones, and best practices for professionals in the United States. So what do we think? Overall, I think my thoughts on the nature of their response have been made clear. But what I kept on uh, kicking around was your question earlier about, you know, just because you're a religion doesn't mean that you have free reign to do anything. And you shouldn't. We don't want that to be, you know, like, well, my religion says when I walk down the street that every third person, I punch them in the throat. I just do it. That's my religion. Sorry. It's like, no, we as a society, we don't like assault. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. So there are obviously religion neutral laws that you could pass. Not only is this corporation using unpaid labor and donated resources to perpetuate child abuse and also, frankly, line their pockets, you know what I mean, like buy themselves houses or whatever, at least at the upper echelon, they're doing it with not paying taxes. And Mm -hmm. I have to pay and you, listener, have to pay and all of us have to pay so many taxes and that sucks and it's rude and we know we do it because we like to have roads without holes in them and whatever. But to me... I wonder why at a federal level we could not have a law and it, uh, that would say if you would like to have nonprofit exempt status, I'm not even saying religious, any nonprofit, whether you are a school, you're a religion, you're a, just a charity up the street saving the puppies and the kitties, unless you have a robust comprehensive sexual abuse reporting plan that includes the first step Every time is calling Department of Children and Family Services or its equivalent in your jurisdiction. And then from there, 100% cooperating freely with the authorities, supporting the child. If you do not have a robust, comprehensive policy within your organization, you don't get to be tax exempt. You can call yourself a religion. We don't care about that. You can call yourself whatever you want, but you do not get to fail to pay taxes of these United States. Meanwhile, you are an extreme drain on the resources of the criminal justice system and the civil justice system because these motherfuckers have been draining us dry. The amount of extra work police have to do, they had to serve search warrants twice at a congregation in Oklahoma because there was a tip-off that they were going to serve the search warrant first and come and get all the molester documents. So then the elders hid the documents and it wasn't until many days later when the cops had to get a second phone call and all it said was serve the search warrant again that they had to get a whistleblower to tip them off so then the police had to go and do it again and wouldn't you know the shit was back in the filing cabinets so if you want to play little games and you want to suck the teat of the criminal justice system and the civil justice system because you don't want to do shit right and you want to make people fight you to get justice whether it's civil or criminal you don't get to to not pay taxes Mm -mm. you got to pay your fair share and I don't think it's picking on JWs I can say it's inspired by the JWs but I think we need to have a comprehensive nonprofit 
nonprofit reform where we say we do not, the United States citizens of these United States want to help subsidize a massive child sexual abuse organization, which is what we're all being forced to do mm-hmm. by having this happen. I just, I don't think it's fair to us. We're all taxpayers. I follow my religion. Listeners follow your religion. You follow what we, everyone follows your own spirituality. I'm not asking any of you to subsidize my criminal organization. Right. <laughs> and that's what they're asking. And I think it's bullshit. Well, and they also are asking without telling their congregants to essentially pay off all these lawsuits yeah. with their donations. Yeah, just write to write them a check, write them a check. So then yes, you're as a stakeholder, I'm I'm speaking in my own personal position as a stakeholder of a taxpayer of these United States. And frankly, what she said, Barbara said, a person who loves truth and justice and righteousness. Right. But you're right. If you're a JW, you're like, I've been giving you this money thinking you're helping. We're all working together to stop, I guess not stop Armageddon, but to prepare for Armageddon. And meanwhile, you're using it to pay lawsuits for stuff that you caused because you failed to protect the kid in the first place. Like that's not a good use of my resources Mm -mm. or my free labor that I could use. Mark and Kimmy talk about, they put off having kids. They didn't go to college. She wanted to be a veterinarian. He thought he might want to be an engineer. He ended up being a, a, a exercise equipment repair person. And now of course has a much, much bigger, uh, life purpose and I think he's doing so 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 much good way more good than one could say you would be as an engineer but that's not fair that you've like robbed these folks of their entire futures and it's all just one big lie to perpetuate a criminal organization oh yeah I mean Romy says in the A&E documentary that her her entire childhood was stolen from her and you know I mean as an adult now she said she's in therapy trying to like rise above it to where she can look back at it and, you know, just heal, I guess. But I mean, no matter how much therapy you do and how much you come to terms with things or accept and, and, you know, healing, you're not going to get back those Mm -hmm. years. I mean, you're a kid once. And when you fuck a kid up like that, it fucks them up for their entire life. Right. And she talked about not just all of the sexual abuse, but she was just like, I was constantly afraid. Yeah. I was afraid because my friends were going to die. I was going to die. Like Armageddon's coming. But yeah, I mean, it, it is an organization that collects money to sell literature. It's a corporation that is masquerading as a religion that yeah. is obscenely abusing the people within its walls. It's just, there's not another way to say it. And you know, on the front end of this, it's kind of like, I don't know, this is a pretty widespread religion. But when we get into it and we dig into their very own literature that was just published this year and nothing has changed, nothing has changed. Yeah, they, um, they're an org- they're lying in their pockets with the donations of people within the organization and keeping abusers safe. They're building massive mansions for themselves and for their headquarters when when they're telling everybody else well any day now it's going to come for you like a thief in the night you better get all your ducks in a row so you're not burning an armageddon it's like well if that could happen any day why do you need to live in a mansion yeah i mean wouldn't it be shouldn't your efforts be put towards something else like i i don't know but i mean like if we're all gonna die any second does it matter what how much you have like you know what i mean like right and also i don't buy that they all give a shit about their salvation i think it's a way for them to get away with abusing children and to um 
keep their wallets full. Right. I think, yeah, you're right. The The governing body, it's power, man. Power, greed, you know, being, having stuff paid for you. And then the trickle down from there is, I th- it's like a, it's rings, right? Or like, it's like an onion. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, they're in it for that. The people outside of them are like, maybe someday I could be in the governing body. I just have to work hard. And then someone outside of that, maybe I could work at Bethel someday. I just have to work hard. And then someone outside of that's like, well, I just have to work hard not to die in the Armageddon. And so it's like this fear-based structure that's trying to really get its claws in. And I'm feeling hopeful that perhaps, you know, with the pandemic helped to to trim the herd a little bit and just the more and more mainstream attention, like you can't ignore it. Even if you're a really faithful witness and you never really look at apostate things, if it's on the front page of everything, at some point, it's like what Mark O'Donnell said, that really what woke him up is he was walking into the convention and someone was holding up a sign that said, a JW elder molested me. And he's like, I looked at that and was like, what it takes to stand out here and hold that sign. He just kept going, I knew it had to be true. He said, there's no way that happened. He's like, I just knew it. Why would you lie about it? Why would you bring that uh, potential shame and criticism upon yourself if not true? He's like, I looked at it and I knew they're not lying. So then it's like very much the, the, in the XJW subreddit, when people bring up 1984, there are vibes of that. But when you have then the, the governing body saying like, ignore all apostate literature, everything worldly is wrong. There's still those brain cells that's still that in your mind going, no, there's no way every headline is not just saying this. Like, it's not like every news show, you know, so the more coverage there is and the more stuff about it, I think those, even the really entrenched ones, there's hope, right? And same with like maintaining, you know, communication with people that are kind of trying to fade or are like physically in, but mentally out, just trying to kind of plant seeds with mm-hmm. your loved ones. But man, some of those stories, there's just people who are so entrenched and believe it so much that they would watch their uh, child die. They yeah. would, you know, they, they just believe it so hard. And I mean, I can't think of the exact adage, but you know, you can't save everybody, but if you can right. save one, so there might be people that aren't reachable, but there are people that are. And if the focus is put on reaching those people, then, you know, I mean, hopefully that just kind of snowballs into a good thing. Right. And it kills me the way you said that too. Like Barbara Anderson lost her kid. Like she doesn't Mm -hmm. get to talk to her son. They had one grandchild. Another grandchild was born. They weren't even told that she was born. Like no name, no face, no nothing. Like she gave up everything. And she was like, if I can help one person, it was Mm -hmm. worth it. Yeah. And by doing that, she has helped so many. So many, way more than one. That means she also suffered a lot of personal hurt to do so. No, I would agree. And my only other, so what do we think is um, completely legal and 0%. I mean, it's emotional still too, but like not really as emotional, but this, the Pennsylvania attorney general said that they're looking into possible criminal charges. And I wonder to what extent there would be liability on like a RICO claim, like an organized crime claim, because in Pennsylvania, it is a violation of Pennsylvania law to, in an organized fashion, engage in child sex trafficking. And I don't know if I'm reaching, but like, am I reaching that this is an organized effort to allow molesters to have access to kids? How is this not 
organized crime. Yeah. And so I hope and I wonder, much like I just wondered whether whether Alec Murdoch would someday get charged federally. Like, I wonder if there's some argument to be try to be made for like Rico. I know a lot of times like government government officials are hesitant to criminally prosecute religious authorities or religious figures because it does run afoul of the First Amendment. But in this case, I think it's just straight up. You're saying you're doing a religion and you're doing crime. Yeah. Yeah. Under the the guise of that weaponized faith, as we've said before. Well, so sad. if you are a victim, if you know a victim, there is help. Like we said, we'll list all of those things in our show notes as well. Check out the XJW subreddit. There's a lot of really good people on there that are trying to help others that are trying to get out or, or are out and now need resources. So there is help and hope out there. I know, especially if you've suffered child sexual abuse, it can feel like there you're never going to have another good day. Right. But there is, there is help out there. And you know, if we can be of any help, you can always email us please. And we'll do whatever we can. And we thank everyone that has sent in their own stories to be read and some to not be read. Some they just wanted to share, but know that they're all getting read and we hear you and we see you and we love you and you're not alone. Yes. Thank you. And to end right back where we began on Reddit, it was discovered that our old friend, Stephen Lett, (laughs) who believes that babies are enemies of God, doesn't even really talk like that in real life. Yeah, it's a it's a character, it's a, I believe. That's what they they the best part was that this redditor said his grandfatherly dumbass clown persona <laughs> is just that an act and that he's actually a millionaire that talks normally. And I mean, it's not shocking, but just uh but it just it's so. it makes me hate him even more that yeah, he yeah. thinks that that makes him sound like uh approachable and friendly and relatable. You sound and- like a fucking idiot. <laughs> First of all, he's not like an idiot, but it makes me feel like he's talking down to me. Not that I didn't think he was anyway. And they all sort of have their own ways of talking down to you. That's why I couldn't watch any of these videos and Godspeed to anybody who's been forced to watch them. Because I'm like, don't fuck. Nobody talks to me like that. It's It's very patronizing, condescending. Patronizing for sure. And it's not even real. No. And if you're a child or a woman, you're pretty fucked. Uh, So, I mean, even, you know, like you were describing that onion of people trying to achieve the to a higher status well there's a really low glass ceiling for women with that so barbara anderson was i mean like she said it was a huge privilege to be able to contribute to these watchtower pamphlets because women were not allowed to submit things for that that were unless it was non-doctrinal in nature, like you want to tell us about your cornbread recipe. Okay. We'll include that. But anything that's like really matters and that everyone should be following your head's too small. So we can't can't trust you. Barbara, your head's too small and (laughs) cornbread is an enemy of God. (laughs) So on that note, I'm going to go dip my enemy of God into some tomato soup. Nice. Oh, wonderful night. Well, if you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can join for free to see where we're up to next or dive into over 500 hours of bonus content. And for recent patrons, thank you so much for supporting the show and make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout out. 
Head to Sinisterhood.com to click shop on the top banner to check out Sinisterhood merch like t-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, and even clothes for your kiddos. And as it gets cool and fall temperatures breeze in, make sure you get yourself a hoodie, maybe our new beanie with the Sinisterhood logo on it, or a nice cozy mug for some hot cocoa. And for a limited time, orders over $20 from our TikTok shop have free shipping within the U.S. So check that out on our TikTok. You can also go to SinisterHood.com to review the show, follow us on socials, and check out the episode descriptions of shows for more fun, like topic-based playlists and links to live show tickets. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We are on YouTube and TikTok at where our TikTok shop is at Sinisterhood Podcast. We're also on Cameo if you would like for us to make a custom video shout out for you. It could be a birthday, anniversary, uh, pep talk, and starting a new job, anything like that. We love to deliver those messages on Cameo. Just search us up, tell us what to say, and we will deliver that message. It's a great gift, especially a last minute gift. So cameo.com slash Sinisterhood, where are you at? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on the internet at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Here are your special Patreon shout outs. Amanda Gilbert. Tiff Slater. Caitlin Norsworthy. Dory Kaufman. Ruth DiMatteo. Christine O'Hara. Jean Baker. C. Southward Crane. Christy. Jackie Rossi. Catherine. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We could not do this without you. We hope we pronounce your names correctly. We sincerely love each and every one of you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. Mwahaha. <laughs> Sinister Hood.